Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, folks, we're back. It's Biscuits. It's a hockey podcast. There's a colon in between there, too. Um, this is Dave, and I want to, just before we bring in the bring in the Canadian part of the show, I just want to give everybody a little trigger warning, a little not-safe-for-work type of a tag on this little episode here because, you know, um, we're, we're going to talk about goalie interference again at some point. I don't want to have that just kind of shoot into your ears unexpectedly. You can probably read the episode description, but that off the top. It's important to know that. And I don't mind if you just delete this episode, if you're like, I don't care who was in the crease or who was touched or who wasn't. I, I understand that. But we, as an Ottawa Senators goaltender interference podcast, have to talk about it. So um, that's my preamble. I'm Dave, and you know the other guy way more than you know me. So there he is. Hey, guys, it's Sean up here in Ottawa. And yeah, well, we, ha- we have to talk about it because yeah. the NHL GMs are talking about it. And if... They're, they're sitting down there in Florida, like right now, as we're having this conversation, as we're both sitting here freezing in snowy hellscapes, they're, well, they're probably golfing. They're probably not actually working. They talked they talk they, for like 20 seconds about it, and now they're golfing, yeah. Yeah. But yesterday, I mean, they, they talked for hours, which is, I mean, these guys never talk to each other at all. So <laughs> this that must have been, you can tell they're taking it very, very seriously because they used up like their entire two-hour morning agenda before they all left to hit the beach and, and the golf courses. Like Dale Talon was in the meeting like, guys, I got a tea time in like 20 minutes. Are we going to fix this or what? I got to go. You know what? I'm, I'm yeah. out of here. Just have this. tell the computer nerds about the whole interference thing. No, they'll, they'll, they'll take care of it. So as of, uh, as of Tuesday morning when we're recording this, we have not heard what the fix is, but no doubt there is a fix because everybody stomped their feet and said, we have to fix this. So now all the greatest minds in the NHL got together in a room. What, what do you think it's going to be? Not much. <laughs> I think I, it, it, my guess, based on, on just the, the reporting that's out there and the comments they were making, is that it's going to be – I could see them maybe moving the decision-making to the war room and just having – like the same guys making the call every time rather than leaving it to the referees on the ice. Yeah, that'll solve it. That's Those guys never it get anything wrong. It, it really, it, I mean, that that won't change much. See, the problem is that will, the, the what the NHL is doing here, if they do that, and, and the issue is they have it, they, they, they have an agreement and it's in their CBA with the officials that the officials get the final call 
on these, but it it sounded like maybe from from listening to to Stephen Walkham that that they might be willing to move on that that the that you know the the referees are aware of the fact that now they're like they're just even more in the spotlight and taking even more crap over this and and maybe they'd be happy to let the league do it um the the problem with that is that addresses the problem that everybody says they're complaining about but doesn't do anything about mm-hmm. the actual problem that, that right. is bothering people like everybody everybody here knows that if you just come out and go oh wah wah this call went against my team i don't like it then nobody will pay any attention to you. So instead it's, well, it's not consistent. We don't know what the rule and we need more consistency. So yeah, if you, if you have one guy in the war room in Toronto making all the calls, then in theory, it's going to be much more consistent, but that doesn't, that's not going to make anybody happy. You could, you could be completely consistent on these and people are still going to complain because there's still gray area calls that will sometimes go against your team. And and then that's that just opens the floodgates for everybody to, to to complain and and say that it's not consistent because not consistent is just our code word for a call that I don't like because it went against my team. Mm, here's here's my fix, and I I think this is a big part of the problem is when they go to review when you know they they decide something is a goal or interference and they go to review. They're only looking for interference. And I go back to the the play in Buffalo where Freddie Anderson got like sort of slew-footed where he was almost out of the crease but kind of still in the crease. And they, they reviewed it and decided it was still a good goal even though the guy that tripped him scored the goal. And then there was the one where uh, I believe it was James Neal slashed the bejesus out of a goalie. Yeah. And then yep. someone tapped it in. And they went to review and decided both of those were good goals. And, I, and I'm wondering if they decided those were good goals because one – was technically tripping maybe and not interference and you can't review for that and the other was slashing and you can't review for that so my feeling is you should just look for what someone has done to a goalie illegally whether it falls under interference tripping roughing hit to the head whatever you should be able to review for that and if you decide that infraction led to the goal then you should wipe it out that's that's my that's my super awesome easy fix for totally i mean i'll totally i actually saw the 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 frederick anderson one again Last night, I don't. I I, th- I guess they were just replaying it while they were re- were reporting on the <laughs> yeah, GM yeah. discussions. I got to tell you that seeing it a second time, a few days later, I'm even more convinced that was the right call. Frederick Anderson initiated the contact on that just as just as much as Larson did wow. on the Sabers. What a Sabers so, homer you are! Such a Buffalo Sabers uh, guy. Always looking. I'm always, you know, I'm an, I'm so anti Leafs. <laughs> I get this whole like subgroup of commenters on the Sportsnet website that are convinced that I'm a diehard Habs fan. <laughs> Even if I like outright say in the article, I'll be like, look, I'm, I'm a Leafs fan, but they're still like, yeah, nice try. We, we know yeah. the truth. Smoke screen. They're, they're really adamant. So uh, yeah, this is, this is that rearing its, its head again. No, I mean, the, they can't make major changes to, it's very difficult to make major rule changes during the season. Uh, for for two reasons, and you probably saw this. I, this this just this just made me laugh. That apparently, if they want to make an actual rule change, they have to get a unanimous agreement from right. all thirty one teams. That has to come in the form of a fax. Yeah, all thirty one teams have to fax the league. They're screwed. <laughs> There's no chance. There's no chance. 
No, half the teams probably don't even know what a fax machine is. You're like, we got half send the guys are too young to know what a fax is, and half the ones are too old to successfully work one. So there's send it by Raven. Yeah, <laughs> like nothing says like cutting edge league like <laughs> having the word fax appear in your your rules for for changing. And then the other problem is that apparently for many of these changes, they would need buy-in from the NHLPA, which. Gary Bettman, in his infinite wisdom, has decided he has to pick a fight with it absolutely every possible opportunity. So what do you think is going to happen when the league yeah. comes to the PA and says, please help us with this mess? They're going to say, screw you. We would have, you know, we didn't get to go to the Olympics. You don't get to change your your dumb rule and you can just live with it. I do like it. I do love the fact that we, we just, I, I remember going into the last lockout. There was always a part of me that was like, yeah, they just hired Don Fear, but you know, maybe Don Fear is the guy to get it done before and we won't have a lot. And now it's just great. Like two years out, I'm just like, I'm planning vacations. I'm looking for new work in other places because I'm not going to be able to write about hockey in two years. It's just nice to kind of know in advance and be able to plan for your future with, with, with the way Gary Bettman has handled things. It's, it's great. It's going to be fun. That, that, the 2020 lockout oh, after wait. Gary Bettman ant- has spent 20 years antagonizing the players and he's going to have a brand new expansion team in mm-hmm. Seattle mm-hmm. that he wants to get off to a good start. And it might be the only time that he actually has some motivation to, to get a deal done. And the players are just going to give the biggest middle finger mm. to this league. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be fun. And you know, that's two years down the road and we'll still be talking about goalie interference unless we've done the smart thing and just gotten rid of the review altogether. Get rid of goalies. Goalies are just mucking up everything. We don't need goalies. That would work too. You know, let's that would play work too. six on six empty nets. We'll turn the nets upside down and play the, you know, the, the pond hockey way. Let's just... well, well, here's the other problem that goalies are, are causing. And, and this was kind of the other related thing that came out of the meetings on Monday was Colin Campbell... <laughs> <laughs> made a very controversial statement. I love when he talks to the media. It's so much fun. <laughs> uh, he he basically said that part of the issue is that goaltenders are embellishing some of the interference and that he believes that they're they're being coached to do that. Now, I don't know if goalies are being coached. Hold, hold on, told. hold on. Ron, Ron Howard voice. They're not. <laughs> they're not. I you know, I yeah. But are they embellishing probably they some embellishing? of them sure? Of course they are. But they're not being coached to. Like that's such like a that's such like a call in radio show thing to just be like, yeah, a friend of mine yeah. told me I'm Coley in Toronto. You're on the air. Hey guys, what's up? Um, a friend of mine told me that a goalie coach somewhere was like teaching goalies to flop. That that's just yeah. not a thing goalie coaches do. They just I don't, don't think they're teaching you to flop. But I could certainly, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that at some point somewhere some coach says, and hey, by the way, if you get bumped, make sure the ref knows it. But that was happening uh, anyway. Mike Smith was making a career out of that. Like that's not yeah, new. They, I mean, goalies are imbe- like, they, and, and this is the thing because I understand it's Colin Campbell, and and for a certain segment of the fan base and the media. He's got no credibility already and anything that, I mean, he could come out and say, ice is cold. And we'd all be like, what a dummy. Can you is it though, Coley? Is it really cold or is it just chilled? I mean, come exactly. on. Get exactly. Real. But, you know, but, but it, it triggered this, this thing where everybody had to act like they were shocked at the notion that goaltenders were embellishing when it's like, just you turn on a game. Of course they are. These guys. No, but it's not about it's, it's snapping not, back. It's not about that though. It's about the fact that like again, and like Coley, Coley's two things now have been shut up and stop talking about the problem, and goalies are embellishing. Like Coley never addresses the problem. That's the thing that's annoying no. about it. But I do, I, I do get that. <sighs> the embellishment is part of the problem because if you're asking the you know guys to make the call in real time on the ice, 
the fact that that sure. goalies are flopping and selling it and all of this stuff is part of the issue. And and you know, then when I pointed that out, I get all these tweets back from from the goalies union, who are all like, <laughs> "Well, what are we supposed to do? That's the only way we can get a call." Well, yeah, but you know what? Everybody who dives, everyone who embellishes, thinks they're doing it in the name of getting a justified call. Like it, like Brad Marchand thinks that he's doing the right thing when he flops every time somebody touches him because he's like, well, how else am I supposed to get a call? See, well, this, 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 this is how I know you're a Habs fan because you didn't go to the Habs for an example of diving. You went to the Bruins. Classic Habs fan move. Yeah. Nice, well, nice Sean. Yep. Way um, to reveal yourself. Pro, pro Montreal <laughs> all the way. I, I, I'll tell you right now, if you want to... Here's how you fix goalie and belly. If you really think that's a problem, and, and you know, I agree with you. It's not, you know, th- this isn't the main issue. But if you want to fix it, it's a very simple fix. All you got to do is start enforcing the concussion protocol rules on goaltenders. Uh, oh, yeah. That's you a- get bumped in the head, your head snaps back, and you fall down holding your head with your glove. You got to come out of the game for five minutes because we got to check you because you might have a concussion because he clearly just took a, uh, a, a crushing blow to the skull. You know what's you know what's if not you know what's good about that? that and every NHL fix like you're right that's that is that is what the NHL should do but like it's funny because like goaltenders can do the whole whipping the head back hands to the face shake off the mask thing because they know the NHL doesn't ever enforce the goalie concussion thing ever because they're goalies so they it, it's always like a it's always like an NHL screw up or thing they're doing wrong allows for another thing to happen that's screwed up like like uh, like for instance i mean i you know i I realize i'm in the minority and this is probably a bad example and people hate when i do it but everyone hates the shootout like we got to get rid of the shootout no one likes the shootout okay let's get rid of the shootout no how about we just add another gimmick in front of the shootout that makes us have fewer shootouts as opposed to just getting rid of the shootout like instead of the nhl just getting the concussion thing right they have to do something else to force people to get the concussion. It's just, I, I, it's such a frustrating league, man. It drives me insane. Yep. So, <sighs> anyways, I'm, I, I'm not in the habit of defending Colin Campbell, but the I habit, the habit, I huh? think he's the habit. Interesting, boy. You are really just revealing yourself today on this podcast. Keep the Sportsnet commenters stay on him. We're gonna crack him and get him to confess. I have no idea <laughs> what you're referring to. What, what's the price for uh, the uh, getting the calls wrong? Do you think? Do they have to carry uh, carry water for the league or anything? I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is the price. The tangled web that we I don't know. Or I don't. I, I can't. It's okay. I don't know enough Montreal Canadian players anymore that guys are getting their heads smashed like watermelons. All of the good players, like like Gallagher. Uh, all right, we'll stop this bit. What else, what, what else are the GMs, are, are they even talking about down there? I feel like there's so many other issues that they could be talking about, and they're so caught up in goalie interference. Well, they were supposed to be. They had this whole agenda, and then they got so caught up on goalie interference that uh, because, it, you know, they the, the league basically, the league did what I would have done, which is walk in and go, okay, since you're all so smart and we're idiots and we don't know how the rule works, let's please watch these 10 clips of goalie interference and tell us the right answer, and, and, and none of them agreed, and they ended up spending the whole morning arguing about it. They were other things they were supposed to talk about. I, I think the playoff format was yeah, supposed to be discussed. They should discuss that more. They, they should, but you know, you, you can do that in the off season. I don't think you have to necessarily do it. In Could you imagine if they changed it right before the playoffs this year? They were like, ah, you know what? Let's go one eight two seven three six four five. What? How, what? How great would that be? <laughs> Their third Some team gets bumped out of the playoffs and. <laughs> 
Well, look, we got 31 faxes, so we got to change it. That's just the rule we have. 31 faxes came through on the fax machine, so now I'm sorry, but Toronto and Boston won't play in the first round. All came from the 416 area code, strangely enough. They might but... not play in the first round anymore. It's starting to get a little... Tampa's been so kind of like, eh, the last three weeks. They keep finding ways to win, but Boston, oh, man, they just get points. When, for Boston to go in and shut out the Lightning, yeah, missing all the guys that they're missing, I mean, that was like... They, they Boston might be the best team in this division. They play Tampa two more times, I think, over the course of the season. So it's this is very much up for grabs. But you're 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 not really diehard for changing the playoff format because you 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 feel like the there's no real difference, huge difference anyway between like the fifth seed and the third seed, right? I I think ultimately it no like like we said last week. I mean it's it's if you're if you're gonna. If the goal is to win the Stanley Cup, you got to go through these teams. I don't think there's a big like. I feel like every year we argue about this before the playoffs, and then after the first round, when there's been six upsets and three of the four num- number one seeds are already out, we all just kind of forget about it and and just go on with our lives. I feel like every year we like we've we've had enough parity that we understand it, but not enough that we've kind of internalized it and just assumed that this is a random coin flippy league. So we still think it's going to be like the old days where like playing the, you know, who you, the difference between six and eight is some huge difference. And, and yeah, it turns out not to be. It really is kind of, it's to me, you're right. It's more about the matchups. Remember last year when Nashville played Chicago, I mean, that was a one, was that a one eight or a two seven, whatever that technically would have been in the old format. Like, I think a lot of people like the predators because of, you know, underlying numbers and all that sort of stuff and that series was over that series was over right quick but yeah well and and that's the other thing is with with the way the 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 playoff races work a lot of times the team that finishes eighth is one of the hottest teams in the nhl by that point they've won eight of their last 10 and it's suddenly like oh boy we we don't want to play these guys that's a myth that's not a thing remember i don't think it is either but Ottawa was like thirty-one and one to close the season, and they lost in six to Montreal. Like that's, uh, I see, I see what you're saying. I get the point. Like yeah. you're, you're right, but it is kind of just weird how we don't necessarily have a league where like the best matchups can happen in the third round, which is weird. And you know, on that topic, I feel like this is the time of year where we have to do an annual reminder. Like we, we sort of touched on this, I think maybe last year, but it's this idea that pops up. This time of year, when, when everyone's arguing about the playoff format, everyone's upset about who should be playing who, somebody always raises what seems like a great idea, which is that wouldn't it be cool if the teams that finished at the top of the conference could just pick their opponents? They would basically draft who they wanted to play. So instead of number one having to face number eight, they could say, no, we want to pick number six. We match up better. They've got injuries. Their goalie's slumping. That's the team we want to play. And you can make this whole made-for-TV sort of thing out of it. Yes, yes. And wouldn't it be awesome? It would. And, and I agree. It would be awesome, except that it wouldn't work that way because these gutless, timid GMs who <laughs> refuse to do their jobs, who, who don't sign offer sheets and don't make trades and don't do all this other stuff, they would never actually go off the script and pick a team other than whoever the standings told them to pick. Like no GM is going to go, yeah, we want number six instead of number eight. Cause that's immediately going to turn into a big story. Everyone's going to freak out about the team being disrespected. It's going to be a big bulletin board. 
And if his team were to lose that matchup, everybody's going to blame him. So the problem with this, with this otherwise great idea is every single team would immediately say, we're making it our team policy. We will always just pick the lowest team in the standings and not actually yeah. make a choice. What if, what if we let season ticket holders do it? You're just like, hey, you've, 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 now you're on to something. 19,000 people will vote on who we get to play in the first round. All votes have to be in by Monday night. And then you find out who you're playing Tuesday morning in a big reveal. That'd be all right. That's one way to I'd do say, it. Let's, let's do the reveal. In fact, let's just do the reveal. Like, let's just do it at game time. Like you, you take the ice and then you just stand there and wait. See who comes out WWE style. <laughs> Count it down. People are tracking yeah. flights on, on online like, oh, the Chicago Blackhawks plane's on its way to either Nashville or Carolina. I can't tell by the route it's taken. Oh, my God. Just took a turn. So, yeah, that is my that is like one of my pet peeves at this time of year when people make that suggestion. Because I agree, it sounds awesome. And in a world in which GMs actually were focused on trying to win and not protecting their own job security, it would be a fantastic idea. But that's not the world that the NHL lives in. See, the, the, the other thing that gets you, that, that, that gives you the red ass, that, that chaps the ass of Down Goes Brown is the fact that GMs make the rules for the league. Yeah. And the, all their rules are just to make their life easier, make getting in the playoffs easier. Yeah. Every, every year, or every, you know, a couple times a year, when we have these GM meetings, it's like we all just accept that these 31 guys are going to get in a room and make all the rules. Why do we? Why do we let them make the rules? <laughs> like other sports don't do this. Other sports have rules committees with some GMs and players and ex-players and officials and you know it's, it's like this. A room full of people. We're supposed to believe. I mean, the, these guys don't. It's a myth that GMs are primarily concerned with their own team because they're more concerned with their job security. Most of them, we we see that. To think that they're suddenly going to put even their teams aside and vote on what's in the best interest of the league is crazy to me. And yet we all just, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, you're a GM now. You're good at making trades and signing contracts. You get to determine the rules of a professional sports league. And everybody's just okay with it. Am, am I crazy? Like, does this, well, does this I, make I, sense to you? I think when Kevin Sheveldayoff goes into the GM meetings in Florida and sits down and says, here's, here's my idea for a new rule no more trades. I think that's a great idea. I think all the GMs yeah. get up and they're like, you know what, you're right. Trades, I mean, those could not work out. So, and now that the Winnipeg Jets are a contender, maybe we shouldn't be trading anymore. I think that's the voice you want to have in the room. It, that's that's it a really kills good me every idea. every time this comes up where you know somebody will report like, oh, it turns somebody mentioned the point system, but it turns out the GMs are happy. With it. No yeah. kidding, the GMs are happy with. It. <laughs> why wouldn't they be happy with? It? That's why we need somebody else to get to make this decision. <sighs> It's a, it's a broken sport, my friend. It's it's it it's they don't. They, I I just you know I, I I thought of I thought of forty two things off the top of my head that should have been fixed that could be fixed you to did. change in the NHL. And that that took like a day. I <laughs> I, I probably could have gotten to like sixty, but I don't want to make I don't want to make my editor just read seven thousand words on a Tuesday. So that's a, I like I like that that there were some of the responses to that piece I saw where they were like you know I I don't agree with all of these, but the fact that he was able to come up with this many. And they're, Without and, yeah. really stretching the bounds of credibility all that much, they're just, not all that. They're not all that far out there. Some of them are, are silly, of course, but I mean, 
Jesus. Like I, I if you told me like, I watch football as much as I watch hockey, I could not think of forty two things to do to change football. There's no way. I could never do no. it. No. And I feel like you left some on the table too. I probably did, yeah. Which is the crazy thing. And they don't invite me to the meetings. I don't know why. Like I'm just I'm assuming at the meetings they're like, All right, everybody open your portfolios to the Dave Lozo forty two things to change uh story. Let's uh, go through the ones we like and uh we'll, those will be the ones we implement. And they look through them and they're like, uh, wait, uh, hold on, we're getting rid of the set. No, no, no. The draft, no. Well, we, we should point out, and I know we're, we're kind of done with the interference thing, but we should just double back on this just for a minute to point out that apparently the GMs do listen to our podcast because they are talking about doing one of the things we've been complaining about, which is hmm. video explanations for the interference rules. Oh, thank God. And in fact... We, I think we started talking about this, what would you, about three weeks ago? I think we first mentioned it three weeks ago. According to Colin Campbell, they have actually been doing this behind the scenes for right. three weeks already. For, but for They've the been, coaches, right? Just for the, for the teams. Just for the teams. And they're, they're thinking about they, whether they want to release them to the public, which oh. they absolutely should. But that was, you know, it was just nice to see that and be like, okay, so, you know, at least... That was three weeks ago because like, I remember they went over to Mike Babcock to explain because they didn't explain the whole Freddie Anderson one. And then they went over to Mike right. Babcock and then he was like, F off. You know, he was mad about it. And I'm like, wait, so the referee had an explanation he could give, but he only gave it to one person in the whole building. Like, what are you doing? What kind of league is this? Uh, so that, that is that is the easy. That, that's the other piece of the easy fix for your interference is just explain. You don't even have to give good explanations. Right. That, that's like that, that's a true thing. Like in human psychology, they've done experiments. You don't actually need to give good explanations. You just need to give an explanation. You just need to say the word because followed by some words, and people go, "Okay, that makes sense," and they get like fifty percent less angry. So, so to all the GMs, they're probably listening. You know, I'm, I'm assuming they listened to the last episode, yesterday's meeting, probably listening to this one as they close out. Hi guys, you're doing a super job. Please release the uh, explanations. Do you think Coley? And then when you're done that, hit up Dave's 42, list of 42 things. Because I got to say, I went through this. I'm I'm on board with a lot of these. There, there's a couple that I want to throw back at you. Lay a mommy. What do you got? All right. I got, in fact, I've got, I've got three that I need you to convince me on. Mm-hmm. And then I got one that I, you're just completely wrong and I want to yell at you about. Perfect. So, uh, let's go and this is uh, this again this is Dave's 42 rule changes to fix the broken NHL it's on Vice Sports uh, number 7 number 7 fuck off the netting is in play yes why would why would we do this see that that's 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 part of my 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 overall umbrella my web of changing rules so there are fewer stoppages like for a game that is supposed to be predicated on flow there's just way too many whistles. You got offsides. You got you got icing. You got puck over the glass. You got puck in the netting. You got puck in the benches. You got hand passes, and a lot of them. You many just, of which you've taken out in yes. these forty-two. Like I've, the, the thing with puck off the netting is, is that it's there to keep the puck in play. It's it's there to prevent the puck from going into the stands and hurting people. But if the puck bounces back into play, like let's say the puck hits right at the top of the glass. And it pops back into play. You, you continue to play. 
But you're telling me if it hits like eight inches higher and comes back in the play, you can't continue to play the puck. But Why? But it's hitting netting at this so, point. Like so it's what? not. It's and it can, it's kind of a random thing. It can go anywhere. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, there are times when it can maybe kick out pretty far, but like it usually either hits the net and then like dribbles down behind the glass and you can't play it, or it hits the net and just kind of comes down around the goal line area and you continue. You ever watch arena football? They they play the kickoffs off the netting all the time and it's awesome and people seem to. I think people attend that sport as frequently as they attend hockey games. Yeah, so you can, you can do that. I was going to say, like, yeah, who watches arena football? But I had a bad feeling that somebody <laughs> would eat the TV ratings at me. I'm just saying. One, one. The only caveat is that if it goes off the netting and, like, off. Remember that Kings-Red Wings game where the puck bounced in yes. off of whoever it was and it was a goal? Like, you can't have that happen. The puck has to touch the ice again and you keep playing. No problem. I, let, let me just throw this, because I, I don't know if I'm sold on that one, but let me throw this even more radical change. If you want to speed things up, rather than getting rid of all the stoppages what if we just said no line changes during stoppages in play the guys who are out there stay out there grab a new puck let's hmm. go face off we can only change on the fly um maybe you put like a last two minutes you you know for the defensive matchup something like that but other than that you're hmm. out there you got the fourth line out there they're they're out there until they can get to the bench and change. I'm gonna, I'm gonna veto. I'm gonna veto that rule. I'm yeah, fine. Okay. I don't mind. I don't mind. They've, they've. I mean, like we're both old enough to remember how long like line changes would take at whistles because of all the posturing and stuff. Like they're pretty, they're pretty good about it. I have no problem. Pretty quick now, but like, David, if you have like a forty, good. if you have like a forty-five second shift and like the puck goes over the glass, like you shouldn't have to stay on the ice just to change on the fly six seconds later. So veto. Nah, I veto. See, the thing I like about it is it's it, it equals more tired players, which equals more mistakes which equals, in theory, more offense. That was like the end of the, uh, oh, God, what game was I watching the other day, like a last week where some team got trapped and they couldn't get off the ice and then they eventually tied. It was at the Toronto game, Toronto-Dallas? the Leafs game, I think. Yeah, yeah. Toronto-Dallas. I remember like t- watching Tyler Sagan, like he, he made like a decision. Like he had the chance to go to the boards and get a bouncing puck, but you could see he was out of gas and he got there too late and then they tied it. And Yeah, I, you, you got a point. I'm, I'm willing yeah. to consider caveats within there. Let's with, put a pin in that one. Yeah. And- Maybe for the off season, off season meetings, we'll throw that out there. Uh, another one, and this was—it was kind of two related ones. But number sixteen, unrestricted free agency now begins two years after your entry level deal. Mm-hmm. In other words, we're we're basically going because this combines with one of your other ideas, which is to eliminate the draft. Get rid of it. So we're and and you've also, I think, eliminated the salary cap. Oh, it's gone. So we're basically going free for all. Just pay whatever you want for whoever you want. Free market. They can play pretty much wherever they want to go, or they can lock into long-term deals, I suppose, if they wanted to, but but total near total freedom of player movement, which I feel like this links into your ongoing dream of bringing super teams to the NHL. Um, I don't know. I think maybe for super would teams would be, be harder, right? Yeah, but I mean, that would be the objection, especially if there's no cap. People would say, well, what's stopping everyone from just signing with the Blackhawks or the Leafs or... Or my Montreal Canadiens, <laughs> and, and nobody is ever going to sign with the Senators or the Jets or the Panthers or whoever. Well, I mean, it could be a problem. It could be an issue. But you know what? I'd rather there be, I'd rather there be three or four dominant teams than having sixteen teams that are ind- indistinguishable between one another going into the playoffs every year. I like the. Like, again, like, I'm not the biggest NBA guy, but I like the fact that the Warriors and now the Rockets, like, I love knowing that there's, like, three or four, two or three maybe this year NBA teams that can just thump you. And I I, I stop and watch. I, I, I watch. I want to see I want to see James Harden and Chris Paul do some stuff for a few minutes. Like, hockey 
doesn't have that because partly because of the whole fun. I mean, I know we're old, but man, it, it was fun seeing like the Islanders and Oilers go head to head in the cup final. Cause that was, you know, when there were, there were two oh, super yeah. teams in the league and they play each other in the final. I know that for the younger, younger listeners out there, the idea of the Islanders and Oilers being good. Honestly, when you said that, that was the first thing I thought of. I thought you were doing a joke. And I was like, I was like, oh, right, right. I was like, yeah, they really did. Well, you got to go ways back. But <laughs> yeah, see, the thing, like every now and then somebody will suggest getting rid of the draft and, and people get, you know, that's the objection. Somebody in Winnipeg is like, well, we'll never get a player. Or somebody in Ottawa is like, we'll never get a player. And I feel like that if 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 you had no draft, and I think it would work the same with, if you had very liberal free agency, like you're suggesting, where they, they become free agents pretty much right away, if the cap was still in place, I I don't think it would necessarily play out like that. And I feel like the evidence of that is the this this thing that goes on this time of year pretty soon is is the NCAA free agents, where you've got guys who are, you know, just ready to start their career, the Jimmy Vesey's and, you know, these sorts of guys, they can sign anywhere they want. And I don't know about Winnipeg, but Ottawa gets plenty of those guys. See? And because a lot of guys, they look for for opportunity. Now, the downside would be you could get lots, you know, you'd, you'd get your players, but the really elite guys who would, who would be the first to get to make their choice would always end up in the big. Like Connor McDavid never winds up in Edmonton under no. this system. No. Well, yeah, no, he doesn't. He's okay. in Toronto. So, but like, there's only so many. There's only there's only so many spots on really good teams to go to. So eventually, you yeah. have to be like, hey, well, this Arizona team's got a bunch of good young guys, and they're offering me, and I said, I'm gonna go. You, I, I don't think it would be as lopsided as people think. I understand the the fear of it, but I think it would be more fun, more more free flowing. We, we we always talk about how on trade deadline day and free agency day, there's never any movement. But now, under under this system, under this great system, that's never going to happen. There would be so much movement. It would be great. It would be exciting. Fans would be buzzed. There'd be like, yeah, you lose your players a lot, maybe a lot more. But I mean, you know, do you, do you really need like, you know, eleven years of TJ Oshie? Like, you can lose TJ yeah. Oshie after four years. Like, who cares? I don't know. It's it would just... be fun. It would definitely. It would. It would get the offseason going. And and it kind of relates into the the last. I don't. I don't not sure what number it was, but you had one where you've you've got the trade deadline basically. Yes, yes. Last week of the season was I, it? Was that it? I believe the la- the trade deadline would be the the week before the playoffs start. So like if it's Wednesday, April eleventh, or becomes Wednesday, April fourth, is a trade deadline. Genius. So basically, <sighs> you've got like teams that are out of the playoffs just renting guys yeah. for a week. Well, and well, teams out of the playoffs wouldn't really be. It would be it would be, it would be more for like the the teams like you know like. Like renting out, like I, I mean, like sending. They, they'd be sending. You, you could strip your whole roster down at that point, right? I mean, yeah, you if know, you wanted to, sure. There'd be half the league. Like that's that's part of the problem with with the trade deadline. We say every year is that there aren't enough sellers, or at least there's not enough teams that recognize that they should be sellers, and that wouldn't be an issue with this. You wouldn't be concerned with you know some NHL team goes out and plays. 78 games with one roster and then brings in six ringers at the at the very end. Oh, that'd be awesome. It'd be so great. <laughs> oh, that'd be so... It, like, it, it's more like a fail-safe. Like, say if Patrice Bergeron comes back and he, he re-breaks his foot and he's out for a month, you're like, oh, crap, we don't have... A... Not, not that there's, like, a guy you can get at that point who's going to be as good as Patrice Bergeron, but now, mm-hmm. you know, you can go out and get something. You can do a little something there. And, yeah, if you want to, you know, load up your team before the playoffs start, 
by making some kind of crazy dump trade with like the Sabres or the Senators or whoever. Yeah, why not? More flow, about, more player flow, my friend. What about this? If 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 we wanted to do a slightly lesser version of this, because a lot of people I, I've come to find out mistakenly think that this is the rule now. What if you let teams trade after the deadline? The players they acquire couldn't be used in the playoffs, but you could use them during the rest of the season. Oh, like baseball when you get a guy in September. Exactly like yeah, baseball. Yeah. yeah. Like the, you know, uh. so so you know, like that way if if you know you your goalie gets hurt, you know, like Ben Bishop just got hurt. You're gonna Dallas is desperate to try to make the playoffs. They're barely hanging on. They gotta hand it over to Kerry Layton and wouldn't it be kind of cool if they could go out and trade, you know, trade for Robin Leonard or whoever oh, they and thought use, was an upgrade. And then use him until the playoffs start use and then the Bishop's back? And then Bishop's got to come back. I'm into it. I like a lot it. of people think that's the rule. And it turn, in fact, we, you know, there was this whole argument because the CBA isn't really clear on it. We had to get it clarified by the league, but the, that's that's not the rule uh, if you trade for somebody. But, but what's interesting is the rule is actually you can trade after the deadline. It's just that the, any players traded can't play the remainder of that season. But if you're a team that's out of it, right, right, there, like yeah. there's nothing stopping us from having an Eric Carlson for Leandrosidal trade right now, today. Like imagine you were just sitting around in like mid March, <laughs> and suddenly that like, people would lose their minds. But there'd be nothing so you could make that trade you know you don't you shut the players down for the year but who cares You're... but it makes sense to do that it makes sense to shut down our crossing for the rest of the year for edmonton exactly. like why get him why get him and play him 10 games yeah oh you know that, that's fantastic yeah we should be doing that that should be a thing that happens that's gonna happen that, that, that's so gonna happen before too. we post this now watch it's gonna happen <laughs> like always that'd be excellent oh. I, I would love that all right and then here's uh, here's the one you're just completely completely out to lunch on mm-hmm and it's one of your. It's it's one of the smaller ones. Number twenty-seven. High sticking penalties can now be challenged. Yeah, why? I'm not, I feel like of all the Looney Tunes ones that I had in there, like that one was right up. That, that people were more mad about that one than band fighting. Dave, if I had oh, come on, if I was there. I would have a rolled up newspaper. I would smack you on the nose right now. It would be would so quick. No. It would be so quick. It would take no. two seconds. You just have to see no. if a stick contacts a face. It's easy. No more. <laughs> challenges how can you how can you have lived through the last two years of the nhl and think that the answer to anything is more <laughs> replay and and specifically more replay challenges like i because I, I i wrote about this last week where like it, whenever this happens like i feel like we've learned enough from from interference we've learned enough from offside to know number one the problem you think you're fixing is probably not that big a problem it doesn't have i mean you know high stick missed high sticks or or you know high sticks where it's a teammate or whatever it, it's so rare we don't need a new rule for this number two you always think it's going to be quick it's never quick you always think it's not going to come up very often it always does it, you suddenly find out it's it's being used all the time and everybody always hates it so no no more no more challenges on anything pretty much ever but definitely not on high stakes. And I'm the guy, you know, anyone who's, who's been reading my stuff for a while, I, I still am not over the Carrie Fraser, Wayne Gretzky thing. So <laughs> I knew nobody has come spent back to more I knew it. complaining about a missed high stick call than I have. And even I'm saying that no, no, no more challenges, no more replay. You could be a different person today if that role existed back then. Like who knows what it you're would. doing? You, you could, right. You, I, I, I would be happy. <laughs> I would not be doing this because I wouldn't have, you know, I, I'd be, 
probably just working in, you know, just in an in office a garden somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, a garden. <laughs> just growing tomatoes, enjoying yeah. enjoying the well, happily oh. wearing a pair of overalls. Just just those shears whistling. and gloves that gardeners wear. Whatever those those special <laughs> gloves are that they're always wearing in like greenhouses. That could be you right now. Shawnee, Shawnee greenhouse. Well, let's um, let's let's take a break. I feel like we've 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 wandered past the halfway point of the show, but you know what? It's fine. Um, and we'll come back and we'll finish up with uh, some other stuff that hopefully involves Sean in a garden with either vegetables or or beautiful flowers. We'll be right back. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So um, financially speaking, I have always sort of believed that NHL general managers, it's like any other job where like your boss makes more money than you. Like you don't know what it is, but you always just assume that the GM makes more money than the coach. And we don't necessarily always find out how much coaches make, but I mean, we're at a point where Mike Babcock signed a deal, was it three years ago at this point, where it's a very lucrative deal. So you're, you're assuming anyone that's sort of come along since then probably is not making Mike Babcock money, but they're probably making seven figures per year or something really close to it. So when the report came out that I believe it was Nick Kiprios from Sportsnet said that the reason why the Hurricanes are having a hard time getting people to come in to even interview for the job is because the pay is only, quote-unquote, $400,000 per year. Um, that's that's why me and Sean turned it down, because we, we, had, we had to split the 400 k because we, 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 you know, we, we just wanted our own salaries. And I don't know. I, 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 and someone else actually came out, too. I forget who it was and said that, actually, that's not even the lowest figure in the NHL for a GM, which makes me immediately think of Arizona. But... Um, yeah, that seems that seems that seems low for the Yeah, yeah, that, that that seems really. In fact, because I saw somebody else say that there there was assistant GMs making more than that. So, yeah. I mean, you knew this was going to be a mess. Like, we, you know, we talked a bit when when Ron Francis got fired, and that well, you know, it's based on his record. It, it was wasn't a that stunning of a decision. But then, yeah, you've got this this owner who suddenly seems to want to be hands-on seems like you know he's been around for a few weeks so he's got this nhl thing figured out but you saw the list of candidates that they were talking to and it was pretty much a who's who of the like the up-and-coming right next wave of, of gms and then you started seeing like all these stories that like these guys had removed themselves from consideration which is never good like when somebody <laughs> interviews with presumably interviews with you and then not only says, you know what, don't bother continuing to consider me. I'm, I don't want the job anymore, but but also feels the need to leak that to the media. And, and after there had been like two or three guys, it was clear that something was going on. And yeah, according to according to Nick, it's this this incredible lowball uh, salary offer, which 
makes you wonder like it it makes you wonder what's going on there and it, it it's one of two things and and usually it's the obvious answer and the obvious answer here is that this is just the hurricanes being cheap and they just they they don't have much budget and so they're they're going cheap on this the other option is that this guy thinks he has sort of recalibrated mm-hmm. i guess the, the value of a front office you know that he he's he's found an inefficiency in the market and he's decided that GMs actually aren't worth that much. And, uh, which, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to watch him try to put that in place because if, you know, if that's actually it, then all right, if, if you're so smart, go ahead and show us what this should look like. But I, I don't know. The fact that they were interviewing high profile candidates suggests that it's just option number one and that, this this guy just thought that uh, you know there's only 31 of these jobs and somebody would jump at it and apparently not. How about this? How about option three? He's making the offer so ridiculously low, so that everybody will turn him down, so he can become the GM. Tom Dunn, the owner. Uh-huh. How about that? Like, hey, nobody wanted the job. You know who's going to take I it? Do it. Your buddy the old Tom. Ken Dryden plan from, <laughs> from the Leafs way back when. I'm just oh, I'm just saying. Just that's Could that's be, you, it seems you like he wants to run things, so I don't know how this is gonna play out, but I, I I can make an the easiest prediction in the world right now, which is that this is now going to be the new team that all of the old school guys just cannot wait to beat up. <laughs> it used to be Florida, right? When Florida got rid of Dale Talon and brought in the computer boys. It and and, and that has even continued to this day, even though Talon's back, but to fire a Hall of Famer and then have an owner come in with, with all these, you know, in theory, new ideas. And I think he mentioned the word analytics. So right there, uh, this is going to be, it, it. like he could hire, he could he could get who, you know, it doesn't matter who he hires, doesn't matter. The team could go 60-0 and 0 to start next season. That They lost that first game. There's going to be just a million unnamed sources who are going to be like, here we go. Here we go. These they thought they were so smart, and they're just going to be cheering on as as the debacle unfolds. I just think that they should they just should have fired Bill Peters. Another guy who I I didn't think of at the time we were talking about this, where my theory was that when guys leave Carolina, they suddenly become really good when they're not being coached by Bill Peters. I'm on the fence for this one. I'm not necessarily saying this is the case, but like Riley Nash is having like the greatest year of his career in Boston. Like maybe it's Pasternak and maybe it's playing with guys like that. I don't know. He seems to be shooting the puck at a ridiculous rate this year. But, again, it's just, you know, seems like guys are just really good sometimes when they leave Carolina. Everybody, They're not everybody other than Eddie Lack. I think Eddie Lack just got so severely broken by. Actually, he was he was at like 9.05 for the Devils this year when he played a few games, which is technically better than what he was in Carolina. But, right. but yeah. Like if Scott, Dar- if Scott Darling goes to like a new team next year and is at like nine thirty six, like you have to fire Bill Peters instantly, right? Like you can't, you just gotta go. I gotta let you go, buddy. Something's 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 wrong in the water here. Yeah, and uh, then hire a new head coach for eleven dollars an hour, forty five k. It's it's not a lot of money, but you'll get good clips that you can use yeah, later. It's exposure. Maybe that's it. Maybe he's trying to get these GMs to work for exposure. Uh, speaking of exposure, I hope I die from exposure before the time I have to read another Hart Trophy MVP tweet from somebody. Oh I can't this, take it. I can't take it. The debate is totally out of control. Like I feel like two weeks ago, 
we were all arguing because there were a lot of different players who could have been MVP. So the argument was like, oh, it should be Taylor Hall. No, it should be Nikita Kucherov. No, it should be Nathan McKinnon. Mm-hmm. And then a week ago, like it, the debate shifted to more the nature of what the Hart Trophy should be as it relates to the players. Mm-hmm. So it was now like, well, Taylor Hall might not have had as good a season as Nikita Kucherov, but he's going to get his team into the playoffs and the Lightning were already good. And, and, and that was kind of going in a different direction. But like this week... It's like the players are just out of it now. Now we're now it's just people hitting each other with dictionaries and and just arguing over what the word value means and, right. and getting like and, and getting really mad over over this this uh this debate. And I you know, I I feel like the players have just been dropped out of it entirely and now it's like just pitchforks and in the parking lot. It's the new analytics versus eye test argument every day. That used to happen on Twitter all the time and kind of stopped. This is the new one. Like I, I saw somebody the other day tweet a screenshot of a, the definition of the word value at somebody, and I'm like, that's not helping anybody, <laughs> man. Like that's not that's not. So I I don't even know what you what side of the issue you're on when you do that. And I, I and, saw I saw a story too where somebody nominated not nominated but it was like, what about Pekarene for MVP? No, no. Like we don't need more people involved well, in this. I, I had uh, I I had a couple people who were like. Patrick Laney has to be in the discussion now. Right. Suddenly he's a, he's the MVP. What, and, what happened to Blake I'm Wheeler? Like, I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like you guys were all yelling at me that it had to be Blake <laughs> Wheeler up. And, like this has now become like the Hart Trophy is like the Masterton. Like we need to get every chapter right. to pick one guy. Like you can't, you got to everybody get together, all the fan bases. I don't care who it is. Pick one guy from your team. That's your guy. You and have three MVP candidates that you're, that you're all mad didn't get into the top five. It's going to be such a. It's, it's, it's also too like people are like arguing about well, the, well, the the semantic wording of the award causes it, buddy. The 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 award's been the same thing forever. Like it's yeah. the, this this wording isn't new. Like just because this is like the first time in like thirty years where you kind of have to do a little thinking about it. Like there are a lot of times for sure. It's super easy. Like a guy has one hundred and ten points. His team has fifty wins. He's far and away the best player. Easy choice. But the thing that the thing that concerns me is people I like I want to know who in the PHWA has been just voting for the best player the whole time and not actually putting any thought into the the, the idea of value to his team part of it because mm-hmm. I because it just seems like people are just like oh man I just it should just be the best but what but it's not the best player like it's 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 been no. the same award forever like you just have to think a little bit more this year and 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 the other argument that, that uh, bugs me is that people are like well you know we already have a best player award and it's the Ted Lindsay award which used to be the Lester Pearson and it's like poor Lester Pearson yeah but it's like okay who won the last three ted Lindsay awards you don't know i don't know nobody knows because it's a secondary award now maybe it shouldn't be but it's it's that has never been like separate and it's usually it's usually the same guy who wins both It's, it's usually the same guy but it's you know this is the it's the award as voted by the players the players get to pick amongst themselves and maybe it should be a bigger deal and maybe you know they're their view should count a lot more than a bunch of sports writers. But for the most part, it's it's not, like the only time I remember actually really hearing about that award when I was younger was that the one year that Steve Eiserman won it, when it had been like Mario and, 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 and Wayne Gretzky had won every, had won all the MVPs, everything for the whole decade. And the players one year voted Steve Eiserman over Gretzky and Lemieux. And people were like, oh, right, this award exists. Isn't that interesting? But it's not like the alternative. Some people are like, no, it's we already have best player award. Yeah, we do, and nobody pays any attention to it. 
I'm cool if we if we start up a new award. Like we let's 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 give out the Gordie Howe Trophy to the to the mm-hmm. best player, the most outstanding player. That's fine. Outstanding and is just very straightforward. Who is the most outstanding best player? Give it to Connor McDavid every year for the next nine years. That's fine. But that's that's not what the MVP is. And I just hate I just hate no. how like we're we're so willing to like parse like people are going to come to your like tw- tweets and be like um did you mean there did you mean there <laughs> but the fact that you have to think about the MVP for more than like four seconds for once is just ah oh, oh this is so unfair ah oh, like just but but at the same time so let me ask this though like would you cast a hard trophy ballot for a player whose team missed the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, honestly, okay. I would. I mean, like, it depends. Like, I would not do it for McDavid it's a this year. That you consider, yes, right? right? Like, like, say if like Nathan McKinnon in Colorado, like they lose like their last game on the last day of the year, and they they lose it. Like they have eighty five or eighty five. They have like ninety two points, and they're tied for the last wild card spot, but they have one fewer regulation overtime win. Like, if that happens, and you're like, well, if he had just gotten one more regulation overtime win, I would have voted for him, but now I'm not. Like, you're an idiot. Like it, it's totally fine to vote for Nathan McKinnon, I think, in that situation. But yeah, I, I have I I like the idea of having to decide who has more value: Nathan McKinnon on the ninety-two point team who has ten fewer points than Kucherov, or Kucherov who's on the hundred. That's a fun debate, and somehow we've ruined it. It sucks now. I hate God. And and or Connor McDavid who might end up winning the the Art Ross on a team that's you know going to miss the playoffs by twenty points. But uh, you know, I still think he's he's worth considering as part of a process where you you do factor in among other things how his team did and that's going to work against him and is why he's probably not going to win but the idea that even considering casting a vote for Connor McDavid is some betrayal of of what this was like I voted for Nikita Kucherov last year I, th- I think I had him third on on my ballot nobody pushed back on that nobody was right like how could you vote for a guy who missed the playoffs? And, you know, I know people say, well, he missed playoffs by one point. Mario Lemieux won the Hart Trophy on a team that missed the playoffs by one point. McDavid's team might miss by 20 points. Well, if we're if making the playoffs by one point is all the difference in the world, then it doesn't matter how much you miss by. I mean, yeah. you, you miss or you make. Uh, you know, know. I think I, it does. I think it matters if you miss by. But that's the thing is going back to the whole thing where people are like, I'm voting for McDavid. And I feel like half the people are voting for McDavid because they truly think he's the most valuable player, blah, blah, blah. But I think the other half are just like, screw you guys. He's the best player. I'm voting for him. Right. That part drives me nuts. That's the part I hate. Yep. No, I'm, and I'm with you on that. And of all the years, this is, you know, if, if people miss the news, the, the uh, PHWA finally has passed a rule that we all have to reveal our ballots. Now there's, there's no more. We, we, the, we took a vote. We've been arguing about this for years. Finally, they took a vote. I think it was 80% said, yes, let's reveal all the ballots. So for the first time, when your when your favorite player doesn't win the Hart Trophy or you know finishes ninth when you're pretty sure they should have been in the top seven, you will be able to individually go down the list, find all of our votes, and yell at us one at a time. Can't wait. All right. Here, here's my one thing that I ask of people, okay? Like oh, I, God. If, if you are... It, it, there are so many candidates and there are so many guys who have a pretty good case, but it's it's probably going to come down to Kucherov, Hall or McKinnon if their teams make the playoffs, maybe some support for McDavid, maybe one or two other guys. Like All I ask is if you've got a guy on your team and you're like, okay, this guy shouldn't be the MVP, but he should get some consideration. He should be on the... Like, 
not this year. Like, just save that. Right. Yeah. If, if you think Blake Wheeler should just be on some ballots and you're going to be mad that he he only got four fifth-place votes instead of ten, like, just save that for another year. Like, if you're mad because your guy finished 12th instead of 10th, maybe maybe not this year. That's all I'm asking. All right, let's do a couple questions. We're, we're, we're pushing time here. Uh, AJ Martin, this is a question we were going to talk about on the main non-mailbag part of the podcast. What is wrong with the Dallas Stars? Is it time to move Sagan Ben and start over, or will some off-season tweaks fix it? Are the Dallas Stars still in the playoffs as of right now as we're doing this? Like they're in the wild like, card? I want to say that they're tied. They're like the second wild card team still. But maybe don't have the tiebreaker. Let me look. No, yeah, they're two points back. They're two points back. Oh, right, because they just back lost. The Ducks. I mean, and the Kings. I mean, I, I understand. I understand the issues. Like they they have depth issues. They have goaltending issues. They they Ben Bishop's groin is probably just a complete mess at this point of his career. That's a problem. Jim Neal. I feel like Jim Neal has kind of been. <sighs> I, I feel like he's 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 focused. I mean, I always talk about this. Like to me, the team in front of the goalie matters in the goalie, and he kind of inherited a bad goalie situation. But like he hasn't made it better. He's kind of thrown money at it where he maybe could have thrown that money elsewhere. But you can't you can't blow up Ben and Sagan at this point. You're you you weren't in the playoffs last year, and now you're still in it with ten games to go. Like I wouldn't necessarily burn the no, place I down. I, I I do think the the goaltending situation is is a tough one because of you know that bishop contract he, they've they've sort of locked him in but i know i don't think it's a blow it up situation i think you got a good team they can score got a good coach you know you're in that mix you're in that 10 through 18 mix of teams that aren't really top tier cup contenders but can make the playoffs and could maybe do some damage when they get in the playoffs if if the wind was blown in the right direction so i i mean what do they do I, I mean, I don't know. They 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 kind of played most of their cards uh, last summer. So I I mean, I think you I think you just got to ride with it. Stephen Hunt, we're a Senators podcast. So we got to do this question. Ottawa Twitter has suggested Mark Stone would get nine million dollars a year. Is that completely insane, or does Melnick pay him and trade Carlson? I, I d- give me give me your thoughts from the from the Vice Ottawa office on this because I think it's I think it is insane that he would get nine million dollars a year. But Mark Stone is a really good player. Mark Stone. Uh, if 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 he was hitting it like he's going to be an RFA this year, he, if he was a UFA, he would be getting offers in you know I don't I don't know if nine million works, but I mean he'd be in that seven to eight million range. Uh, is Melnick going to pay him that? I doubt it. Which is why I I think I understand why everyone's so focused on Eric Carlson, but I feel like Mark Stone hasn't got enough attention as a situation outside of Ottawa, given that this guy like his contract is up this year. He's not eligible for an extension. Like he needs a new deal. And what I think is is really interesting here is that possibility, as slim as it is, man, if you were ever going to offer sheet a guy, are the Ottawa Senators not the prime target that you would go after here? A team with yeah. a cheapskate owner, well known budget problems. I mean, if, and and my favorite scenario that that other people have thrown out there would be an offer sheet to Mark Stone from the Colorado Avalanche because the Avalanche own the Senators' number one pick next year, presumably, depending on whether the Senators decide to to give it up. Mm, so wow. why would you of you know you they have the cap room, they have the need in the lineup. And you'd have a chance to drastically weaken a team whose first-round pick you own. 
But to do it, you no. have to offer him it to get to that plateau. It's like it's like the eight point whatever million dollar it, AAV, it's, it's right? Pretty high. Like you, it's too like high. you can, it, like the, the the four first round picks plateau is is really high. I mean, you could now he'd have to be willing to sign a deal five years or less because as soon as you get over five years, then it, it they start balancing salaries out differently. But yeah, I mean, you could and let's you know let's just remember Joe Sackick knows a thing or two about offer sheets because he signed one when he was a player. People forget this, but he signed with the New York Rangers when he was in the prime of his career and, and forced the avalanche to match it. So, I, you know, it, it, if there's ever been a team that's vulnerable to an offer sheet, it's the Ottawa Senators right now with this Melnick situation. And I don't think anyone will do it because I, I just think we're past the point where anyone does it. But that's what would worry me if I was a Senators fan more than... Mark Stone demanding nine million, and, and and just the senators having to take it or leave it. I would be worried about an offer sheet from somebody somewhere. All right, we're gonna end it there because uh, we 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 rambled a lot on our own. So sorry if we didn't get to any of your uh, user questions, any of your reader questions. Um, you know the deal. You've you've already read aloud for my stuff from this week. Go to the go to Vice Biscuits. Follow us there. It's where we tweet out the links most of the time, as as uh, just as we do to our other Twitter accounts and. You know the iTunes, the five stars, the ratings. You know the you know the drill at this point. You got anything you want to you want to impart upon the people? I got a piece coming out on Sportsnet uh, today, basically looking at the all-time greatest Rocket Richard races because this year with Ovechkin and Lena, like I'm I'm loving this race. I think this has potential to be the greatest Rocket Richard race in the 20-year history of the award. So I looked at all the other races and, and kind of rank the, the 10 best uh, that we've had up till now. And that, that should be up probably by the time you're hearing this. All right. There you go. Thanks for reading the podcast again this week. And we will be back next week with probably more goalie interference talk. And we're, we're sorry in advance. See ya. See ya. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.